side effects from the medication he's on. And um, pray for him um, and Pearl. And we were going to send a couple of our men over to help get him in the house, but then they remember they have a wheelchair and everything. Also pray for um, Mel and one of her kids. They just got sick as well. Um, that cold really has been pretty contagious, spreading around pretty quickly. And so be in prayer for them. And then initially their daughter was going to begin baptized today, um, but we rescheduled it for um, when her grandparents will be able to be here for that as well. And pray, pray for um, her grandfather. You know, he still needs to be saved, has a very strong religious Catholic upbringing, um, but really kind of is focused on his works earning him for salvation. And um, only the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away our sins, you know, by grace through faith. And so hopefully he'll come as well um, and not just grandma. And so um, be in prayer for them. And ladies just got back from the ladies retreat yesterday. Um, that was the longest ladies retreat as far as when they get, got back at night. My wife got home around 730 or so about there. And so... Um, um, they had a good time. They went horseback riding as well on Saturday. And so my wife was telling the kids in the children's Sunday school, she knows why cowboys walk like this now. She says, like, after you get off that horse, you start to waddle. <laughs> and so she goes, ask why they're not doing it because they look like tough men. They're doing it because they're all weak from the horse. <laughs> and so... Um, go ahead and open your Bible to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. And we read from 1 Corinthians 12 last week about um, there's many members, um, but part of the one body. And so Romans 12 um, speaks of that as well. And so he's talking about church membership matters. Um, Romans 12 and verse um, four says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts accor differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. And um, I taught that uh, this passage on Wednesday night um, as well. I'm a, it's a different message today, though. And on Wednesday night, most of everybody that was here was in the kids' club. So I just did a recording for online on, on Wednesday. But, um, last week, we talked about how the church was stru structured, how the church is to be a fellowship. That we see that in the early church, they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And so as a church body, fellowship ought to be a big part of what we do. 
Now, we're not a fellowship in the sense of a social club, and that's it. Okay, there's the doctrine, there's, there's the unity of the faith, there's a mission that we've been given besides just coming and meeting together. Um, but a fellowship is something the church is. And be, beyond just a fellowship, the church is a family. That we're to be family. Not that type of family that you despise being around, but a true family where you really enjoy um, being around each other. And even when there's things that annoy you, the Bible talks about forbearing one another in love. You know what? There's people that have um, dealt with any quirks we have, okay? okay, that we've all have. And so you know what? We need to show the same grace to others. We are a family. The church is a body. Okay, as many parts, there's the eyes, there's the mouth, there's the hands, there's different parts to the body, and there's different roles, as we see here, that not everyone has the same office, not everybody has the same gifts, the same abilities. Some are good, like again, at construction working, and they help with the remodeling. There's others that um, are very equipped in teaching, and so they're involved in teaching or, or in cleaning. Um, you know, the, this, the, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we had a wa uh, the water leak in a gutter that overfull, overfilled, and um, Laura came in the next day um, to shampoo the carpet where it got leaked at. And well, blessing it was to have someone I knew that has that kind of spirit, servant heart, that um, and had had a shampoo cleaner. Not everybody has a shampooer, but you know we all have different roles, different ways we can serve in. And so we're a body, and the church is a flock, and it's Christ's flock. And um, and so now today, they want to talk about what it means to become a member of Napa Vine Baptist Church. Now, the difference sometimes between attenders and members can be summed up in one word. Okay, now this isn't always the case, but oftentimes it is the case, and that one word is commitment. You know, usually when someone says, okay, you know what, we believe God's leading us here to be a member, um, they end up being more committed. Now, there's times where we've had attenders that been very committed, even maybe more so than some members, okay? And, and sometimes the attender just hasn't learned that, oh, you, there is where you could become an official member. And so that's why we're also teaching on that today. And so there can be very committed attenders. Um, they just haven't learned about it yet. And so some reasons to be a member of a local church. Okay, yes, when we're, when we're saved, when we're um, born again, that we're baptized spiritually into Christ's body. But he, God has established that there would be local churches, that there would be local manifestations of what is in heaven. Is we, in heaven, there'll be the general assembly, the first and um, the church of the firstborn, as the Bible says, where we are all together. Our citizenship is in heaven. But again, Christ established local churches. And um, the Bible um, shows that Christ is committed to the church. That Christ is committed, and, and we are the church. And so, you know, we ought to be committed to the assembly of us as a church. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.25, 
Um, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And so Christ gave himself for the church. And you know what? It's being part of the church. You know, we ought to give ourselves to the church as well. We don't have to give our lives, so to speak, um, unless God called that. You know, we do see people around the world die for their faith um, in Christ. And as we read in 1 Corinthians 12, the body is one and have many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And so we ought to be a committed, active member of the body. A cultural reason to be a member of a local church is basically as an antidote or a medicine to our society. That while the culture fares further and further from commitment to the things of God, the church ought to be a model of a people group that are still committed to Jesus Christ and committed to His church. Um, we live in a day age where very few want to be committed to anything. People don't often want to be committed to a job. You know, they want to bounce around all over the place. And you know what? And there may be times where, you know what? God moves you from one job to another job. It's not a sin to change jobs, so to speak, okay? But we see in our culture that it's really like people end up having seven different jobs in a year. They're like, they get discontent here and then they go work at this other type of job. Um, in the marriage, people don't like to be committed in their marriage. Sure, when they get married, they're like, oh, I'm going to be committed till we die. But that commitment wanes. And part of it is, I believe, is they, they see the culture around them. Divorce is so common now. You know what? Separating, you know what? The dating atmosphere just prepares people for that. You're breaking up over and over. And then it pretty much gets easier to get divorced when married, especially when all your friends and family have been divorced. And so there's been this lack of commitment in our marriage. Also, is our country. You know what? There's some people where, you know, or in the past, it seemed like everybody was patriotic. Sure, there were some people that weren't. Nowadays, you don't see the same kind of patriarchy. You don't see that commitment to their country. The attitude has even produced a generation of church shoppers and hoppers. Okay, to go to one church for a little while, and then they'll maybe feel like, oh, I'm not connecting with anybody here. Um, when really, you know what, maybe, have you thought of inviting someone to your home? Have you thought of maybe trying to be here every Sunday that the doors are open, unless you're on vacation or whatever? Like, if you're not here, it's going to be hard to get to build relationships. And also when here, don't you, we just don't want to come where we just come and sit and don't meet one another and talk to each other. Build relationships. Talk to each other. Go out for an ice cream after church or have popcorn in your home. Um, but we need that fellowship as a church body. And so, but um, we need um, to have that kind of commitment where we get, get connected with each other. But we're not going to get connected if we're not here. And sometimes if we're not the first to really be the one to um, invite someone over. 
Because I understand, you know what, sometimes, you know, a lot of time with me pastoring here, pastoring a lot of introverts. You know, a lot of people, that they're fine not talking to anybody. Now, sometimes their spouse maybe wants to talk, to um, get around talking more, but then sometimes because the one person doesn't, then there's often no fellowship even outside of the church walls. And so anyways, becoming a member of the church swims against the current of America's consumer religion. That it's an unselfish decision when someone says, I want to be a part of this body, and I'm going to try to serve and do my best to be a part of here through the good times and through the hard times. You know, it's easy to have the momentum when our church is growing. You know, it's, it's, it's people are coming, people are visiting. It's easy to be excited. And now it's easy to be down when the church goes through a time when it's shrinking, which usually happens every year here right after summer. People get disconnected after the summer, and then it takes a while in the fall to get built back up. But, and that's where that could be contagious. Where we're like, man... We're so-and-so, they're not here. You know what, I, uh, I don't have anyone to get connected with. And then it becomes contagious. But if we put in our mind that, hey, I'm here, God's brought me here, God, God has me to be a member here, you know what, I'm going to be a part through the thick and thin. And, and, and to try to really help with the growth of the church, spiritually and numerically. Um, commitment always builds character. When we thrive and grow, we ought to rejoice together. And when we struggle, that we would carry the burden together. That is not just on one man's shoulders. That it's not just on the staff, so to speak. But that together as a body, we endure the struggle in times. A practical reason to be a member is it defines who can be counted on. You know, every once in a while, I'll run into people that are just so adamant that the Bible does not teach a church membership. They say, you know what, we just want to come, and we want, we want to be able to serve in the church wherever we want to serve. And we've had someone in the past where they're like, we do not want to be a member of the church, we don't agree with the doctrine, but could we do the song leading in the church? Could we sing a special? You know, if there's not that unity, if you don't feel comfortable being a member, and, and then they're like, well, we just don't believe in be- membership at all. But yet, they'll like enlist their kids in sports that has an enrollment, a membership. They'll join different clubs that has a membership. And so it, it really doesn't make any sense. Every school has to have an enrollment. Every business has a payroll. I've never heard someone say, I want to work, but I don't want to be part of the payroll. Unless it's really someone's going to volunteer for something. Every army has an enlistment. Even our country takes a census and requires voter registration. You don't get to vote if you're not registered. Oh, now there is another debate there. A lot of did people voting, but... Technically, there's not supposed to be people voting that are not registered to vote. And so when someone joins the church officially, you know, it is basically saying you're identifying with us as a local body of believers on Christ. 
And so it identifies who can be counted on. And we see in the scriptures even that they were as a family, that there were times when church discipline was necessary as far as bringing accountability. And the purpose of church discipline never was to really just kick people out. Okay, now there is times where that has to happen, but the desire is for restoration. It's just like Paul deals with the church at Corinth, where someone is involved in immorality. And then that ends up becoming the reputation of the church because people know of that individual and their immorality. And that's like, oh, we, we, can't have, we can't have that open sin. Yes, we are all sinners. Yes, we all fall short of the glory of God. But we're all to be as a body working on sharpening one another, um, encouraging one or edifying one another. And we see when Paul told the church at Corinth that there needs to be church discipline in this matter, the next letter he writes says there was sorrow, there was repentance, and there was restoration. And so those are all important things. And you know, there's times where, okay, we discipline in our family. It doesn't make them not part of our family. You know, it's just to try to restore the fellowship. Another reason for church membership is it can help produce spiritual growth. Um, the New Testament places a major emphasis on the need for Christians to be accountable to one another, to, to, to be um, faithful to each other. And if you're not accountable, when you're not committed to any, you cannot be accountable when you're not committed to any specific church family. Um, the Bible says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and new good works. And so when you have a local church that is your church family, there is a place that you come together with intentionality to provoke unto love and new good works, to serve the Lord together, to, to serve one another. And so some may ask, what is it expected to be a member? Well, to be a member, you have to dress just like me and have every standard I have. I'm just kidding, okay? Okay, that, that would be a pharisaical mindset, okay? Being a member does not mean everyone is a cookie cutter, that everybody has every single same standard in their life or dresses the same in every single way. Now, there's biblical principles we ought to follow, okay? Like the Bible teaches um, modesty. You know, the, the Bible um, teaches how we should behave um, with one another, um, and stuff. And so the Bible, what the Bible specifically teaches, we should all strive to follow after that. But that's not trying to follow after a pastor or some famous internet teacher. It's trying to follow after Jesus, not after man. Now, the Apostle Paul did say that, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. And so we do see there is leadership. You know, the Bible does not teach that oh, all leadership is bad. No, the Bible said he that, uh, it rules with diligence. Okay? That he that rules should exercise that with diligence. But So all we ask of our church members is to follow what the Bible teaches. Follow Jesus. Our church covenant is part of our bylaws says this, 
having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of our Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, we do now in the presence of God, angels and disassembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ." We engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to give it a sacred preeminence over all institutions of human origin. Okay, so that would be that, you know what, the church comes before sports, comes before every single other activity. And now all those things are good. All those things are wonderful. Okay, it's wonderful to teach them teamwork and everything like that. But you know what, the church ought to be preeminent. It's the institution Jesus started. To contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and to spread and the spread of the gospel to all nations. We also engage to maintain family and private devotions, diligently to educate our children, both in the faith itself and also as it relates to secular knowledge, to seek the salvation of our kindred, acquaintances, and all others, to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment, to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger, to abstain from worldly amusements which would harm our testimony, and to be zealous in our efforts to proclaim the gospel of our Savior. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember each other in prayer, to aid each other in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy, feeling, and courtesy of speech, to be slow to take offense, and always to be ready for reconciliation. And to secure reconciliation without delay, as our Savior has directed us. If we remove from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with another body of believing Christians where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. And so that's the church covenant. You know what, basically, being a Christian. You know what, living for Christ. And as a, as a member, we ought to protect the unity of our church. To protect the unity of our church. What are some ways we could protect our unity as a church? Go ahead, give, give me some feedback. Some ways we could protect unity. Someone has to go first, break the ice. Then everybody will start raising their hands. Come on. Come on. Unity. Anybody? Solomon, what is unity? You know it, that we're together, we're as one. No, we're not fighting with each other. Okay, so you could say, okay, I'm not going to hit other church members. 
That'd be a good one, huh? Okay, praying for one another. Okay, when we're praying for someone, let's say someone caused an offense to you. You know what? Praying for them and praying for your heart, for your spirit, you know what? That could break through any type of barrier that maybe was built up by an offense. You know, when, when, you're getting, when you're right with the Lord, it's hard to not be right with one another. And so that comes natural as we're one with Christ and praying for one another. Somebody else, way to keep unity. Lauren's thinking of one. Huh? Communicate. Communicate. That's a big one, huh? If we don't communicate with one another, how can you have unity? Yeah, absolutely. Solomon? Be respectful. Okay, absolutely. Okay, respecting each other. Anybody else? Okay. Okay, one, by acting in love toward others. 1 Peter 1.22 says, Love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Okay, to be intentionally, to love one another. It's our covenant speaks about, you know, being there for those in distress, those that are struggling. Okay, not to just be like on Sunday, go, oh, I hope you're doing well. Be warm and go away. Have, have a good time. But no, to show genuine care, genuine love for each other. <clears throat> and if that doesn't come natural for you, you know what? Ask in God. Say, God, help me to be intentionally and loving people in our church. Big one. By refusing to gossip. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And so, being careful with our tongue. James says that the tongue is like a member that can't be tame at times, where it's like it sets course on fire, the fire of hell. And so the only way we could really get it tame is by walking in the Spirit. To be walking in one with the Lord. And then, <clears throat> one principle I've been taught in the past before, both in the secular world and in, in Christianity and by my parents, is, okay, you know what? When, when you take something away, replacing it with something good. Okay, say a Christian is... Um, someone just got saved and they have a lot of bad, ungodly music in their life. Well, if they take that out and they're so musically inclined, it is healthy to put some good music in this place. And now it may take a while to change your taste of music, but you need to replace it. If you don't replace it, then the other stuff is still going to stay addicting. Um, what are some other examples? Something you maybe take away you want to replace it with? Speech. Okay, yeah, speech. Okay, here's what we're talking about. Okay, okay, we're we're not to gossip. We're not to have corrupt communication come out, but that which is good to the use of edifying. And so, finally, use our words. Okay, how could I edify one another? Maybe like, you know what? I don't know how Lauren's doing. I haven't seen him in a while, and. You know what? What is what's something maybe I could do to edify him with my words? 
You know, and edifying sometimes means like, okay, just encouraging, uplifting. Um, you know, say you go to one of the other church members' um, sports games. And now it's hard to get their schedule, okay? I ask all the parents, send me a schedule. And they go, oh, I'll get to it. But uh, don't send me usually one of the schedules. But it's hard. But you get their schedule. And go to one of their games. Encourage them. And you know what? And that edifies them. You know what? Tell them about when they do good. And so, but sometimes edification means to us like building people up, it's sharpening one another. Another way is by following the leaders. Okay, again, you know, oftentimes the people that just don't like being a member anywhere, it's because they do not want to be under any type of leadership. A lot of the home church movements, it's because they despise any type of leadership. And so they'll just sit around. And then they'll just all say, oh, I think the Bible means this here. Someone else go, well, this is what it means to me. And it'll be the complete opposite of someone else. And they just despise leadership. And I was talking with someone, and, and they told me that how they, they used to be a part of the home church movement. And he said, and none of them really ever last. He says, there, there's no leadership, there's no vision, and people get tired of their carpet getting all dirty in the same house all the time or whatever, but they just usually don't endure. And um, because they don't want to have anyone in leadership. They don't want to have anyone in vision. Um, but the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Now, you know, if, if a leader, they're, they're always having to have grief um, over you. That, that like in anything, um, like, like maybe you're, maybe, I'm not saying you are, okay? It's particular, but maybe one, they're a town or they're always tearing people down and stuff. And then as a pastor, you know, like trying to pastor them, trying to coach them out of that through the scriptures. You know, it's like, it could be with grief. It's like when it's over and over. Now it's with joy when, yeah, okay, hey, someone stumbles and we come, we give the word, we give counsel, and then, and then they get back walking with the Lord. Those are encouraging. Instead of to see people being better off than they were before. And so by following the leaders in the church, that helps preserve a unity. It's a member... We also ought to share the responsibility is the church. What are some ways we can share responsibility in the church? Okay? You know, not everyone's coming up here every week to preach. So what are some other ways as a church member we could share responsibilities? Maybe you could mention some of the things you do. All right, yeah, absolutely. You know, my wife said at the ladies' retreat, they were talking about how I, um, some of the ladies were like, man, we should do this every season, have this ladies' retreat. And, and then my wife was like, well, maybe two times a year, maybe we could do that um, and stuff. And then they're starting thinking of other activities, the Christmas cantata, some other activities we could do, doing a ladies' game night, other men's things as well. And, um, and my wife's like, yeah, you know what? Pastor gets excited when people want to help plan things for the church and stuff. Okay, yeah, there's other ways to get involved. 
Okay, Daniel, what are some of the things you do in a church? What are some things you do in church? Okay. Okay, okay, cleaning, fixing things. That's one way to share a responsibility. What are you doing Saturday? Okay. Okay, yeah, okay. He, he helps lead the cooking for the men's breakfast, but always needing other men to come and help out. So if you like to cook, let Daniel know, and you know what, we can put you on a schedule where once a month, or like maybe you help him one month and another one helps another month, and maybe give Daniel a break one Saturday, although I've tried that before, and he's like, oh, it's so simple, I'll still bring biscuits and gravy and stuff. So he still brings it. That's one way to share responsibilities. Okay, what's another way? What are some things you kids do? What are things you've done in church? You help build this platform, right, Solomon? Solomon helped build, help get this built. And it's stronger than it was before. Okay, so kids could be involved in construction, helping out with things. Painting. You know what, discipling people. You know, that's where, you know, I'll be discipling people. You know what, Lauren and I, we've done some discipleship. We need to get back into it now that summer's over. But you know what, maybe there's someone else in the church that they want to grow. They want to learn the Word of God. Maybe they don't really understand it fully. And they'd love to spend time getting to know it. You know what, you could help in that. You know, maybe mean with them once a week or once every two weeks. Even if it's once a month. And just kind of going over, sometimes it maybe is spontaneous. Like, what are some things you've been studying and, and have questions about? Okay, that's sharing this responsibility of the church. Anybody else? Any other ways? Okay, normal place the organ, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of, sort of. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, she plays the organ, playing it for like 20 years here and probably 200 years before that. Yeah, absolutely. She's a faithful member. She's been here. She's been here a long time. And stuff. And so she helped share in the responsibility. I got pictures of her helping to paint the trim for outside, painting it inside the gymnasium. And, uh, and um, James, before he passed away, he'd be like, um, he wasn't in a wheelchair yet, but on a walker. And he'd be painting the trim. And he's doing everything he could um, to be a part. Another way sharing the responsibility as a church is praying for its growth. If we don't pray for its growth, it'd be no wonder why we're not growing. Well, let's not just leave it to one person praying for growth, but it's a church. You know what, God, you know what? We pray, Lord, you would help our church grow, both spiritually and numerically. Because as we grow numerically, there are more things we're able to do. There's more ministries we're able to provide. There's more people to fellowship with. Um, there's more missionaries we generally would be able to take on to support um, and to support them at a more of a maximum level. And so pray for growth. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.2 says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Um, Colossians 2.6 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. 
And so praying for your spiritual growth, praying for the spiritual growth of others. And so praying, you think, hey, that's not even having you come to, to the church building to do it. You could pray from home when you're praying at home. And now when you're at church, you know what, pray as well. Another way would be by inviting the unchurched to attend. You know, in Luke 14, 23, now this is a parable that Jesus uses to give an illustration. But he says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Okay, so one way to help our church to grow would be by inviting people to come. I believe one of our biggest obstacles here is a church with growth is possibly our location being in the middle of Napa Vine. Now, Napa Vine knows where we are, but Napa Vine has a population of less than 2,000 people. When people move here, unless they move into Napa Vine, they're usually going to search for maybe, say, if they're looking for a church. They'll look for a church in Chehalis, um, Baptist Church in Centralia, or whatever they may search for, but they'll usually pick like Chehalis, Centralia, Toledo, rarely Napa Vine. But instead of using that as an excuse, take this as an opportunity, we need to begin to word out more. Leaving flyers out. Um, passing out tracts at the parks. Going door to door. And if you're uncomfortable talking with people door to door in a cold call, leaving a track on their door. Go to public places where the conversation's more natural. Invite people um, there as well. And so by inviting people to attend, by warmly welcoming those that visit. Romans 15, 7 says, Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. And so being receiving, being welcoming. You see someone come and visit. Don't let it be an awkward first visit for them. They don't know anybody. They don't know anything about our church besides maybe what they read on the internet. Whether it be good or bad. Like if, if there was some kind of gossip blog about us. There's not one that I know of, but there always could be. But, um, or what they read on our website. Okay, so they read something, but they come. It could be uncomfortable to a first-time visitor. You, you think of someone, too, that maybe they're going through a struggle. Maybe they're going through a struggle in their marriage. And they know nowhere else to look, so they're thinking, you know what, maybe I'll find God at church. And so they come, they're kind of like they're uncomfortable, and if they sit down in the back row and no one ever talks to them, even when we're shaking hands time, if we don't ever go to them, you know, something we go, oh, we just don't want to overwhelm people. You know what? I'd rather err on the side of overwhelming people with love and welcoming than lose them completely because we didn't receive them, because we didn't welcome them. And you know what? Next week sometime, you know, Alan and I are planning on it. If anyone else wants to come, let me know. But we're just going to kind of brainstorm different things. And maybe some, one of the things would be first impressions. You know, trying to really leave a better first impression with people in welcoming them and in re receiving um, <clears throat> um, them. But show the love of Christ to people.
He said, member, we ought to find a way to serve in the church. Uh, and one way we could serve in the church is by discovering our gifts, our talents. As uh, every man have received a gift, even so minister the same one to another. First Peter 4.10 says, you got a talent in an area, find how you could use it to serve in the church. Um, by being equipped, discipled, to grow and serve. The Bible talks about pastors and teachers being given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so the Bible doesn't say the pastors are given for the work of the ministry. Rather, it says for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. That it gives the idea of equipping the saints, equipping the members of the church for the work of the ministry. So the work of the ministry is not just a pastor thing. It is a church member thing. That we're all to be a part of the work of the ministry. Again, that may be in different roles, different functions, but to serve in some fashion. You know, developing a servant's heart is something as a member we ought to do. The Bible says, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who took upon him the form of a servant. And so developing the servant's heart. It's a member. We ought to support the testimony of our church. One by attending faithfully. And the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some is, so there the Bible does declare, you know what, there's going to be some, they're not going to be committed. Don't be surprised. But it tells us, let's not be as the manner of some, but rather coming together, exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, your friends, family members, if they see that church is just a once a month thing for you, they say, oh, that's not something you're really committed to. You're just maybe trying to connect with friends once a month. But there's not a cause that you're committed to. Another way we support the testimony of the church is by living a godly life. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conversation be as it become of the gospel of Christ. Talking about your lifestyle, your conversation, that, that is to be becoming of the gospel. People ought to be able to see there's something different about him or her. You know, they, they, they love God. They love Christ. Another way is by giving regularly. 1 Corinthians 16 says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye upon the first day of the week. That's Sunday, it's the Lord's Day. Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Okay, as God has prospered you know, let every one of you lay something in store. That as we share the responsibility in our financial giving, then we're not just so off balance. We're not so, we wouldn't be so much as struggling if we're all apart, if we're all involved. 
And Leviticus 27, 30 says, And all the tithe, it is holy unto the Lord. Go ahead and turn in your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 10. Nehemiah 10. Excuse me, 13. Nehemiah 13. Nehemiah 13, verse 10. Bible says, and I perceive that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. For the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled every one to his field. And so here what Nehemiah is seeing is he's seeing the devastation of the house of God. He's seeing the house of God neglected. We also see that in Haggai, in um, Haggai 1 in verse 4, it says, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little, and when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house, that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. And so there was a bad shift of priorities. That they had all their nice houses, but the house of God where they would meet was waste. People weren't coming. People weren't taking care of things. And then again, we see in Nehemiah here, we see that the portions of the Levites, now the Levites would not um, take an inheritance like the other tribes would, but they would be about the ministry of the Lord, and then the tithes would be in part, would be going to the Levites to sustain them in their part of the work of the ministry. And he says, I perceived that the Levites had not been given them, for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled every one to his field. And so now he saw, they, you know what? They were focused completely on other things because they had to survive. They had to take care of their family. He goes, then I contended with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. You ever wonder where that phrase comes at? I'm just going to set them in their place. No, it's right here in the Bible. Set them in their place. Then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn and the new wine and the oil unto the treasuries. And so at the time before that, until that correction was given, by them neglecting the tithe, neglecting to give to the work, the people failed to support the Levites Consequently, they had to abandon their responsibilities in the house of God and perform field labor, labor in order to survive. 
You know what? Yes, it's true. You know, does God need our money? No, but God has chosen to teach us to be a given people because we're to be patterned in the image of His Son. Okay, Jesus wants the heart. People value more what they give to. Whether it is something they gave to, per- they gave to purchase something. You know, my son, he bought his bike that he just got. You know, I've taught him how to um, buy stuff and sell online. He's learned how to mow lawns and mow them for other people and make an income. And he values that bike way more than he valued any bike I just gave him. He has put value in it. He has put an investment in it. After riding in the rain, he goes home, takes mom's towels, and starts wiping that bike. Wants to keep it out of the rain. Values it. And where we put our money into it, something we value. If it's a class that you took, that you paid to take, instead of just being given it for free, usually you value it more. A business transaction, you often value more because you paid for it. And given, given through the church you're a part of, you will start to value the Lord's church more. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And you know, you put your heart in your church. Put your heart in the Lord. Acts 2.41 says, Then they that gladly receive His word were baptized. And so how do we become a member of the church? Well, first, you need to be saved. You know, you need to know Jesus as your Savior. Being a part of a church does not earn your way to heaven. Nothing we can do earns our way to heaven. The way we get heaven is recognizing by faith what Jesus did for us and that He died for us, He was buried, that He rose again the third day and we put our faith in Him alone for salvation. We must be saved. We're to be saved before we become a member of the church. And if we see they that receive His word were baptized. And we see that in Matthew, Jesus says, teaching all nations. What are you teaching them? The gospel, so they could be saved. And then baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Okay, so baptism is a picture of what has happened inwardly, a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as well. And so to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, after you've been saved, so you get saved, you get baptized, and it says, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so, if you've been saved, you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, and you've been baptized, and if you haven't been baptized yet, come talk to me, and we'll schedule a baptism service. Where, okay, we'll have preaching like normal, and then we'll go next door in a fellowship hall and baptize you. And stuff, and, 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 and you come forward and you join the church. Now you go, you know what, I want to be committed. I want to be a committed member of this church. And then we're here for one another. We're here to disciple each other, to see each other grow. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of a church, to be a member, to, to um, be there for each other and stuff. Um, Maddie, could you go ahead and maybe find a song to play? And we're just going to go ahead and have a song of invitation. Let's go ahead.